Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. It's next to Crushing with Kagan. It's time for Straight Talk with Joe Brothers. And we got all the Straight Talk through other shows, but it's not quite the same as Straight Talk it with really Brothers. It really is not the same, let's be we honest. We came up with it, and we're keeping it. All right, so you want to call in or get on Facebook. Because we will uh, answer any of your questions, and it's not just answering your questions uh, from a Catholic priest perspective, but we've got a couple of students that are going to be on uh, during this segment as well that we're going to uh, have a, a larger conversation. We want to stick with the theme of exorcism. So if you're sitting out there and you're wondering, you know, man, I got some serious questions on what's going on with this whole Catholic exorcist thing. Now is the time to call in. Or if you've, you know, got a question that you want to ask about Catholic education, especially uh, the, the new St. Mary's and what's going on here, uh, we are proud to welcome both of our students today. How are you guys doing? Good. <laughs> Welcome to Straight Talk with the Brothers on the Sons of Thunder show, Real Presence Radio. Uh, my understanding is, is that we're going to have some kind of a theological question, or, uh, uh, discussion here. So do you have questions for us, or are we supposed to be asking you guys questions? I have a question for you. All right. <laughs> it's from my first period class. So, In your opinion, what is the biggest obstacle Catholics face today? Ooh. Everything. <laughs> I would say the world, right? I mean, the world. There's a, there's a movement right now that the so even even this last week, this last weekend, right? Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and Mammon, right? And Mammon is the the worldly ideology, and and going along with the trends of the world. And it's so hard right now. Like everything is against young, you guys. You know, I mean, I'm sure you feel it. There's there's the movement of you know materialism. There's the movement of of lust. There's the movement of pleasure, promiscuity. Uh, pornography, you name it. It's just one thing after another is being thrown at you and to actually live your faith out uh, is probably the most countercultural thing you can do. I always said, to, when I taught here, I said, I was like, you guys want to be, you know, like, really rebellious you want to be kind of the the you know the bad crazy you know out of control student live your faith it's true he did say that because <laughs> <laughs> nobody's doing that everybody's doing the other thing it's so you totally want to be countercultural <clears throat> live the faith i'm gonna give it to you straight here because um, it's and straight I, talk and that's I'm, what we I'm, do i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get real controversial uh and say probably some stuff that uh some some <laughs> listeners might disagree with but i am absolutely convicted of this number one we are experiencing the greatest demonic attack that has ever happened since probably the time of the apostles right now in the world. Number two, our generations. Are you guys homelanders or are you guys millennials? Uh, I think we're Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah, we're Gen Z. Yeah, Z. So you're yeah. after the millennials. The, 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 mm -hmm. the, the title of that is the homelanders, and I'm not exactly sure where that comes from. but It's uh, because they, the only known... The United States of America under the Department of Homeland Security. Ah, okay. So, welcome, Homelanders. But anyway. You feel very so, secure. So, so the, the controversial thing that I'm going to bring up is that I'm Generation X, and you guys, and there's the Millennials, and then there, which would be Father Luger, mm -hmm. and then there's the Homelanders. And what we don't even realize anymore is that our generations were given a bad bill of goods from the baby boomer generation. And that's, where I, that's the controversial end of it, because people don't want to hear this. But... The sexual revolution, drugs, uh, abortion, all of the things that are not just anti-Catholic, but like condemn you to hell. Anti-Christ. Anti-Christ. 
was not given to us from the great generation. I mean, these people went through the Depression, then they, they, then they went through World War II, and they came home, and they're known for the saying, I just want to give my kids a better life than what I had. You know, and we hear that, right? And they pass that down. And for them, what that meant is that, you know, I, 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 don't, I want food on the table. I don't want them five years old working in a coal mine. Uh, I don't want them going to a global, in, into a global war with a guy like Hitler. I just want peace and prosperity and stability for my kids. And so that's what the boomer generation got. And out of that then came this, and they're still pushing this garbage. I mean, obviously this is a general stereotype. You know, many of us have parents that wouldn't be of this you know, uh, uh, theme at all. But when you look to the other garbage that they've sold us, especially in education, now you guys are in a Catholic school, but if you're in the public school, all of their narratives that are still flowing out of the sexual revolution are being indoctrinated into generation after generation after generation. And we know that not only is this not salvific, but secondly, it, as, as Father Josh says, it's downright antichrist. And so that, in my opinion, is the greatest obstacle that you guys have to your, to, to your particular life. That being said, the fact of the matter is, is that any generation can change where, uh, you know, the entire sort of culture is going. And that's why I think what we're doing in particular in Western North Dakota right now is so unbelievably important. It's not a matter of saying, oh, okay, well, I went to a Catholic school, I got the faith, I'm living my faith, and, you know, that's great. That should be going on in all Catholic schools. But... From the onset, which wasn't so long ago, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when Monsignor James Shea came on uh, and began building the architecture of the Catholic culture that's now in all three of our schools, and we subsequently came on a few years later uh, and, and, and finished that entire process, not only were we hoping uh, to facilitate salvation uh, in the life of the students so they would practice their faith, but even more so, our goal was to raise up an army of Catholics that is aware of this garbage in the culture and doesn't just not live it, but in fact attacks it with all of their might. I mean, which one of you is the next president or the next senator or the next you know, governor or the next owner of some massive company or you know, who knows what it is, but when you're filled with, with the indoctrination of the Catholic faith and living it virtuously, you can, as a leader or even as a mom and a dad, you're able to pass down uh, what you've got into subsequent generations that are coming after you, which then counteracts this filth, and I'm going to call it that, this filth of a culture that has been, been given to us, which we should have never have gotten. We got a bad bill of goods. I just think, too, that you know, part of it is, is, is the culture is so subtle. So like, it's just this little by little by little by little, right? So you get out into the world, you're living your faith, and we, and we would see this as chaplains. You know, you got hardcore, they're loving, living their faith, going to daily mass, you know, virtuous, chaste relationships, and then they go to UND, they go to NDSU, more so UND, because I don't like UND. And they, <laughs> and they would, no, they would fall apart. You know, in two years, they'd be pro-abortion, they'd be, you know, sexually promiscuous, and I'm like, what happened? You know, and it was, it's just this, the world's narrative right now is so strong that if you are not actively pursuing your faith, I don't think you'll be able to withstand the tide that's pushing against you. And the fact of the matter is, is that tide, it's not just like, okay, well... You know, and I don't think everybody, nobody considers their death, but it's like, okay, well, that, if I get infected with that tide, I'm going to go to hell if I live that way, okay? Yeah, that's somewhat threatening, somewhat not. But the truth of the matter is, is that filth that's been passed down to us will also ruin your life now, right? 
So what happens is, is you've got a, what, what do we have, a 60% divorce rate, the, the highest uh, drug addiction stats that we've ever had. We've got, I don't know, 80% of men out there addicted to pornography because that filth is all, that, you know, that's the result of the sexual revolution in its fullness. Not to mention all of the other stuff that the culture wants to feed you. It does not yield happiness. And I think what the students are getting now is that, okay, well, I'm living in the time of the beast, and I'm fighting against this, and even though, it, even though it's difficult, the fact of the matter is, it's worth it. Because those who are trying to live a virtuous life, not a, and I'm not preaching the gospel of prosperity here, but not only uh, are saving their souls, but they're happy. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I think a lot of people right now, and maybe you can answer this, but I mean, how many people are asking the question in your generation right now, like, what is happiness? You know? Yeah, a lot, I think. We <laughs> talk about it in class all the time. I mean, imagine, like, so you're sitting here in your school on a daily basis, like, trying to figure that question out. And I'm not trying to tread in the public schools, but not only can they not talk about faith, but nobody's bringing up that, that philosophical question, right? It's just assumed that well, whatever fact, garbage even, I see on TV that I'm supposed to mimic that. And they're even, I mean, I would even argue that it's, they're being taught the complete opposite. I mean, we, we teach virtue, we teach, you know, chastity, we teach, and with the hope that the student's going to practice it. Well, the, the cultural norms right now are, you know, the homosexual movement. Uh, if you're you're going to have sex anyway, so be safe, right? And so let's promote contraception. Let's promote ways to keep you safe from STDs. Instead of saying, no, we should be promoting virtue, right? I mean, the other, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, <clears throat> I had a wedding, and I said to him, I said, I have a, uh, the way I'm going to start my homily is I'm going to start with a question, and you're not going to like the question. And I said, the question is, why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep the, with this bride and this groom, this marriage thing, why do we keep doing it when it has such a high probability of failure? Why, why are you here? Do you even know what your plan is for life? And then, you know, everybody's kind of like staring heads down, and I'm like, I told you you wouldn't like it, right? Mm -hmm. But the good news is, is that you can be different, but you have to choose it. I mean, I think we take that for granted all the time, that, that the active choice daily to try to live your faith is the thing that will actually let you live your faith. It's not just going to happen by chance, right? Yeah, exactly, and that's what that's what I'm saying. I mean, if if I was in your, well, I'm in Generation X, and I'm angry, as you can tell. And <laughs> if I was in your generation right now, and this garbage is being fed to me, that I think that what needs to happen is there's this, you know, there needs to be a massive generational pushback. I think like that's like the next Renaissance of the United States of America is when young people who are quicker than you even think, all of a sudden in your 20s, out of college and married. Right and having your own kids stand in the breach and say, you know what, this this garbage that was passed on to us in the 1960s, it's garbage. We don't want the 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 trash that they experienced back then, the rebellion, the sexual revolution, all of their narratives, ideologies, and political crap that they've got constantly being fed into us. The moment that that you guys, the generation, my generation, the millennial generation, which is the biggest of them all. And, and they're upset. Yeah, I mean, you want Luger. Come yeah, on. Luger. Step Here it up. comes Luger. But sits back and <laughs> says, you know it. what? We are, we are, we're going to give it to you straight, and we're not living this anymore. And you know, the, 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 the more that I think people begin to experience that, they discover exactly what we're talking about. The real <laughs> happiness is, in fact, self-discipline. It's faith. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's love. It's, it's sacrifice. 
uh, and, and all of a sudden that mantra starts then being passed down. I'm telling you, in the next, by the time I'm in my 80s, somebody is going to write a book about the 1960s that really <laughs> sociologically and psychologically identifies that that, that era and the, and the trash that came out of that era has almost destroyed the United <clears throat> States of America and what generations have passed down to us. Right. And that's us. Give it, it to, to you straight. straight. That was, right. We beat that one to death. Yeah, I, 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 you can tell. <laughs> that, was a, that was like a lob ball. Right? <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get a couple of call-ins because my dad's generation does not like it when I speak <laughs> Our number here at the, at the studio is 877-795-0122. You can also get on Facebook. Uh, give us your questions. So what's the next question you have for us? Well, just kind of a follow-up on what you were talking about. What's, like, one concrete way we can fight against secularization in the world? Because it's so prominent in society, and you'll see it in movies and just all around you. So, like, how do you fight against that? That is an unbelievable question, and if you're listening right now, this goes out to everybody. If there has ever been a time for the Catholic Church to find her voice, mm-hmm. it is now. And so, here, you know, the old, this is what happened. Again, we're going to beat this to death, but the 1960s people, right? Then all of a sudden, there's these huge movements. They were like the megaton protesters, and they still do. Like, they love taking it to the street and marching for all the things that Jesus doesn't like, like abortion and everything else. <clears throat> That's where we got to come in. And I, I, I think more than anything else, it's a, it, it's fo- fo- if you're going to follow anything out of that time, follow that, because they are an extraordinarily loud voice. You can see it in politics for sure, right? I mean, they, they are absolutely hell-bent on getting their message out. And so I think on the other end, and this is where it's a little bit nuanced, but through the living of your faith, regular confession, uh, if you can get to daily mass, even better, that Jesus wants to change things. I think, I think Jesus loves the United States of America. Jesus loves religious freedom. Jesus loves what it once was. And he also sees what the devil has done over the last 40 or 50 years to change all of that. And so it's through the living of faith. I think a lot like when we even write homilies. I've never written a Sunday homily that I didn't write in front of the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. You know, and so the more time that you're spending with the Lord and telling him, look, I'm ready to give my life to you in any way that you want it. And so... How do we change, Lord, the, the future of the United States of America? We're always talking about you know, our children and we, we, the debt and all of this sort of stuff. But the Lord can figure all of that out if we say, how do we change the United States of America, Lord, so where the majority of Catholics are living their faith? And so as Father Josh is saying, you guys are about ready to launch into the university, which is polluted beyond all belief. I don't, you know, unless you go to maybe the University of Mary, which they've you know, really purged and changed their culture out there, again, due to the great Monsignor Shea. Uh, but if you go to any secular university, it's about, and this is where, this is at least for myself and my priesthood, there's kind of a weird way of living your faith that's not attractive to anybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, the holier than thou people. But if you're just living your faith, regular confession, regular mass, and a normal person out in the world, people are going to come to and ask this question. I've had people say this to me before. How is it? Why are you so happy? You know, it's like, well, everything in life is just going well, right? And you're, you're telling everybody about that. And so they say, what do you have in your life that I don't have in mine? And that's the moment uh, that the Holy Spirit can get into their lives. It's just like, you know what, man? I go to confession all the time, and I go to regular Mass. And it's just that easy. And that might sound stupid to you, but I, I'm telling you, if you give it a shot. And for most kids, right, they, have, they, they, went, to, they you know, went to confession when they were in second grade. They had their first Holy Communion, and they haven't been back. And those of us living in the state of grace take for granted 
that this is just the norm. But if you can get someone, you know, find a good priest that you like, that's normal, you know he's a good confessor, and as that, as people begin to ask you about this happiness or your way of life, you're like, just try going to confession. And if you can just get them into that confessional once they come out of it, and they're like, I see exactly what you're saying. And it's one soul at a time, but I think what's going to happen is the culture is going to come crashing down because this, this garbage that's been passed on to us doesn't, it's not fulfilling. And even though that generation may have immersed themselves in it, subsequent generations, it really starting with the millennials, I've seen it megaton with the millennials, but they're starting to question everything and saying, this life, live this way, is not worth living. You know, it's so ancient Archbishop Sheen, where he's, you know, life worth living, in which he, you know, had this huge series of, of talk shows where, you know, he went into what the Lord is trying to give each and every one of us, and it's a sense of <coughs> dignity, it's a sense of value, it's a sense of vocation. You know, how do you figure out what you're supposed to be doing with your life without Christ, right? It's, it's just or who you're supposed to be married to if you're <coughs> called, you know, to the married vocation. How do you stay married without Jesus? You know, if I didn't do a holy hour every day of my life, or if I didn't celebrate Mass every day of my life, I didn't go to regular confession, I can tell you I'd probably be a priest about another two months, right? Because without Christ fueling the priesthood, without Christ fueling your marriage, without Christ bringing meaning into the workplace, even your daily life in this school, that, you know, life is like this big. And as I, you know, so many people, they, they sit back and they say, well, you know, if I practice my religion, gosh, that would be boring. You know, if I practice my faith, my, my life would be so limited. And yet when you talk to people that are actually living their faith, the expansion of life that they experience, it's not a limitation at all. You know, all of a sudden it's like, I didn't know, number one, anything about myself. Jesus has revealed all of this to me. And number two, how great and full this life can be, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity of, of different situational circumstances that Jesus is opening up in your life, door after door after door is flung open, and all you're doing then is trying to you know, discipline yourself in virtue, which I'm telling you, nobody who's ever lived virtue has regretted it, right? Live vice, and you're waking up the next morning in tears saying, why did I do X, Y, or Z again? And yet, in that inst what the culture is saying, well, it's all about instant gratification, right? You know, and that's another thing that just infuriates me about that generation. They come to all of us, and it's like, well, unless you pleasure yourself, you can't be happy in any way whatsoever. And it's like, no, have you ever considered that, like, all of these young people don't have to be living that way. They don't have to be sexually active. They actually can live chastity and want to. There's a novel idea, right? You don't have to get into the contraceptive, sexual revolution, undisciplined life that leads to nothing but misery, right? Can't wait to sleep with as many people as I can because that's going to bring me happiness. That's going to bring you a lot of instant gratification and a lot of broken life. Versus coming to the young people that are living today and say, you know what, I believe in you and you are something great. And the Lord believes in you and the Lord believes that you can live this. And when the times that you fail, that's why the Lord has given us confession. And through that disciplined life, you're going to be totally free. I mean, that's what real freedom is. There's nobody that's free out there in the culture right now. Yeah, I, th so, I think part of it, too, you got to, you know, going back to the original question is, is that <clears throat> I once heard somebody say a Christian is someone who's met another Christian. Right, and so the, the biggest way of changing the, the secularization of the society is one soul at a time. I mean, it's got, and it's got to be through witness, right? We can't just talk about it. We have to live it. And when we live it, people come and they say, and this is the early church. 
nearly I mean why was it that the the greatest expansion of the church the fastest conversion rate of the church was during the the biggest persecution to become catholic meant your head got chopped off and yet people are flocking to the church to get baptized was a death warrant <clears throat> and they're still coming bringing all of their families and dying horrific deaths but why because the culture was so corrupt and they saw this small group of people and what were they doing they were loving each other they were forgiving each other they were married to one woman one man they took care of their elderly they just simply lived the virtuous life and that was so attractive that people were willing to die to have it and so i think that it we're gonna we're gonna have to get back to this you know it's gonna start small and we're going to be the witnesses. And we're not going to talk about sanctity. We're going to live sanctity. We're going to become saints. And when we do that, that changes the world. I have to say, too, I, I, I think that a lot of this burden rests on us priests and clergy. You know, and, and we're in a bit of a mess right now. Instead of talking about the importance globally of like going to confession and going to Mass and living a life of you know, prayer and virtue, or how about adoration? Instead, we're talking about like the environment and all of these things that it's like, okay, you know, this stuff, I'm not saying taking, the earth, taking care of the earth isn't important, but you fix the spiritual condition of humanity and everything will follow. You fix it. everything. You fix everything. And so I, I, I think that, the, and I, I believe at least what we got going on in the Diocese of Bismarck, you're, you're seeing the beginnings uh, of, of, a, of a movement of a generation of priests uh, that is getting away from the secularization of the priesthood. Like, I'm not a CEO you know, I, I'm not, you know, the banker, you know, down at the church. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual father and a follower of Jesus Christ. And every guy that I know, at least in our diocese, is doing a holy hour every day. And so when the priesthood dives deep into the holy hour and deep into prayer and deep into a deep relationship with Christ, that's when they can start bringing a lot of the new movements that you're seeing. Like, so when you think about, like, the Catholic culture that exists in our high schools, I mean, most of what we develop just simply flowed out of the holy hour. I, mean, I don't really have any original ideas, and it would be a, so. There you are sitting in adoration. It's like all of a sudden this inspiration came that, you know, you know, you know, what if what if we had this? What about you know if you think about like the rock that exists here, you know, the, the pilgrimages that we do over to Rome, you know, all of that was like, well, what if we had a state competition for trivia? I remember what it, we, we, you know, I came up with it up in Minot, and we had the first one up at Bishop Ryan, and I'm like, all of a sudden it's hitting my holy hour. Like this is so awesome in each and every school. What if you brought? all three of our schools together and they were competing like they would with a football game. Well, then we did it and it worked. And it was like, you know, everybody back in those days was like, ah, that's never going to work. The kids aren't going to like this. You know, and then we get everybody together and you got 700 kids like, ah, and I'm like, it worked. Uh, Jesus told me it would work, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you're seeing the beginnings, but I think that's why we're so excited about what, what's going on in Catholic education because even though we're – we're small. And I, you know, I think of the like Diocese of Bismarck, we're one of the smallest dioceses in the country. But then you think of like Bethlehem, right, where Jesus was born, or na nowhere in the middle of you know, Israel, Nazareth. And that's where the Messiah was raised. But every, so, everything starts small. So, and, and it's under, underneath the current of things, right? God's doing stuff, and it doesn't seem like we're going to win. And then all of a sudden, his little shotgun shell, like the crucifixion of Christ, saves the entire world. You know, if you were living in Rome the day that Jesus died, you had no idea that your soul was just saved, but it was. And so I, I, I think right now we're at a time where it can be terribly discouraging. You look out, you see the challenges, but nothing is impossible for God. And the fact of the matter is God's got to be doing something. And we're seeing hints of it. You know, how many more of you are out there across this country 
that do want to change the culture and subsequently change the, the history of the United States of America, not necessarily you know, through the political or financial machine, but through just the living practice of your faith, and then that becomes extraordinarily attractive to people. Well, I would beat that one to death, too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a law ball. you got to give us something hard here. This is us giving it to you straight. <laughs> Again, the number, 877-795-0122, if you want to call in with any questions for either the priests or the students. We put them on, uh, on the stage a little bit, too. Stump the students. I'm just thinking, too, you know, you're asking us questions. What do you think is the hardest part right now of just being a high school student? Like... In regards to the faith, in regards to the culture, everything we're everything we're talking about. Um, well, I mean, we uh, go to Catholic school, so it's kind of you know we're surrounded by it. It's our basically our center of our education of our life. But th- for public schoolers, I couldn't imagine how many struggles they go through because they just don't know their foundation. They're asking what's the meaning of life, and just all these deep questions that they don't have answers to because they haven't found their beliefs like we have a lot of the times it's just a matter of suggesting those questions you know i'm like you might not even know what question to ask and so you get spiritual leadership through your chaplain you know through maybe other religion teachers even through your administrators uh sitting here with gerald vetter he's going to be on here in a little bit he was a great inspiration to my life back when teaching religion and psychology and everything else (laughs) in the 90s uh now the president of this great school but but if it's not, if you're not asking those questions, and subsequently everything else is like, you know, dulling down questions, you know. So it's like, well, I mean, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? First is like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm gonna play whatever sport today, you know. And you know, all of a sudden, like, what college do I go to? You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, ask the Lord. So, how about you, Lauren? What do you think? Um, I was just gonna say that honestly, I can say I wouldn't be the same person that I would be, like, that I am now, if I wouldn't have gone to a Catholic school. Um, just because at a Catholic school you can really search for the truth and sometimes I feel like you wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise but I also think it's hard because our culture like you discussed earlier in your questions is just like so secularized and it's hard to be like constantly bombarded by like everything that the world's telling you like through movies and music and like everything it just all is like a different message from what we get here but it's beautiful that we can have the message that we get. But you also have to remember, too, that when you leave this place, mm-hmm. you have to keep that message coming yeah. into your brain. Because if you don't, the other voice is going to overpower that voice, mm-hmm. and it's going gonna, it's gonna to silence it. And that's, that's, again, what we were alluding to. So it's just actively living your faith. And that is not just going to Sunday Mass. That is, I mean, <clears throat> you know, reading good books on the truth, on, on you know, how to overcome secularization of the culture, on uh, apologetics, going to confession, daily mass if you can, prayer, so, and probably the most, I'd argue maybe the most important thing besides prayer, mass, and confession is your friends. Your friends are absolutely essential because whoever you, my, my, my one line I always said when I taught, whoever you hang out with, you will become. It Bad is friends a, corrupt it, good morals. It, there you go. And, and in conversely, Proverbs, iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. right? So you got, when you have good friends, they're actually building you up. You become a stronger force. And when that stronger force meets a worldly group, they will overcome them. They will. So long as they stick together. And then the people that are meeting them are going to be like, there's something different about those guys. There's something different about those girls. And I want that, you know? So I, th- I think that that's an important point that we need to, we need to make as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. You know, and, and, and I, I keep coming back to the normalcy of this entire thing. Like last night, uh, we were hanging out with some good Catholic people uh, here in Bismarck, and they're fun. You know, I think a lot of the times we were like, well, 
that's that Catholic group, you know, and it's like, that's got to be boring, you know, and it's I like, I love how no, you have the same voice for all of your examples. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not boring. I mean, there's, there's a huge Catholic group uh, in, in Bismarck. I'm, I'm sure there's one in Dickinson. I know for certain there's one in Minot. And these are people that, you know, are, are having an absolutely wonderful time with each other. They're supportive of each other. Good Catholic husbands, good Catholic wives, good Catholic kids, uh, you know, that are, that are making their way towards heaven. I think that's going to be one of the great uh, sort of embarrassments at the judgment. You know, you're going to be sitting there and, well, those of us who live the faith, and it's like the entire time, for those who didn't, like this was actually where real happiness was. The fact of the matter is that it was available to everybody. And what? You loved what more than Jesus? Yeah. I love my motorcycle more than Jesus. You know, <laughs> really? You know, I, I love the secular culture more than Jesus. Why? And in that moment that you could have had this full life with friends and family and happiness, and, and yet we chose some worldly thing over it. So if you're listening right now and this has got your attention, try getting crazy with your faith. You will not be let down. What I mean by that is go to regular confession. Uh, go to, how about daily mass? Try doing a holy hour once a week. Do it with your wife. Do it with your husband. Send your kids to Catholic school and see the impact uh, that it has on your family, which we're seeing over and over and over again. But this is us giving it to you straight. I want to thank all those who uh, called in, wrote in your questions. Reminder, this segment is on 930 Central Time every Monday through Friday 